Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Uh, as we continue to our teaching portion today, I, I would like to begin with a few words from Jesus, uh, specifically Matthew chapter 24. Now, in the context, in, in what Jesus is unpacking here in Matthew 24, he's talking about the end times or the last days and, and what his followers might expect to see happen or what will be the signs, if you will, of those times. And Jesus says very clearly that there will be persecutions that False teachers will come, many will fall away from the faith. And then he says this in verse 12. He says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. So you have persecution, false teachers. Many are going to fall away from the faith. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. So because of the increase in anger and disruption, discord and strife in our world, the love of most will grow cold or fade away. And that imagery there is of a wax candle re-solidifying as it cools. What warning should that give us today as Christians, as followers and seekers of Jesus, to hear his words that love will grow cold because of the increase of wickedness? What warning should we hear today? What does that mean for each one of our stories? I think in light of some of the things we've been studying and for several weeks we've been unpacking the changing currents of our worlds. And in light of that, I think it's easy for us to give in to those currents, to give in to the world around us, to allow our love for our neighbor to fade, to grow cold amidst the disruption at which we all live in. Today, it's not hyperbole to suggest that compassion, love in action, may be the single greatest need of those around us. And I think today, it's one of Jesus' most important demands of his church, love in action. As we continue with part two of our teaching series, Learning and Unlearning, we were going to see that Jesus' heart has always been one of compassion and that he is inviting us to relearn what that means in our world and in our context. So I welcome you back to our teaching series, Learning and Unlearning. And this title refers to the importance of believers uh, and the church adapting to the changes of our world, adapting uh, to the disruptions that are taking place all around us. Now, of course, our message doesn't change. It's not up for any debate 
Uh, the Bible is inerrant and infallible, and as always, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is good news we're sharing, friends. But in that same truth, it would be a mistake for us to ignore the cultural shift happening all around us. As we dive into our teaching text today, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, the Gospel of Mark chapter 6. As we dive in, we're going to see that Jesus engaged his lost and broken world in his time through a heart of compassion. He engaged his world in love in action. You could say he warmed his world with compassion. Let's turn today to Mark chapter 6. The text will be on the screen, but I invite you to turn in your copy of Scripture. Mark chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 30. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. In our text today, the crowd of people that were running after Jesus were likened to sheep without a shepherd. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not a sheep farmer, so I needed to unpack this a little bit to see what they were trying to communicate, what the truth was here about the crowd, the people that were coming after Jesus. Uh, Sheep without a shepherd uh, essentially have no protection from predators. They struggle to meet their daily needs of pasture, green grass, and water. The most basic things are required help uh, from the shepherd. Uh, The sheep move about aimlessly. They will separate from the flock. They will get lost. They will get into trouble. and, And they've been known even to follow one another over a cliff because they're so intent on just following the sheep in front of them that they will do that to their demise, and they're known to get bored and to wander off and follow interest in random things, and I have to be honest, like that felt very personal to me, (laughs) right? That's lost sheep. They get bored and are prone to wandering, following interest in random things, but mostly and maybe most honestly, sheep without a shepherd are eventually dead. That's how the gospel writers want us to understand the crowd that was coming after Jesus. And if we would look to the other gospel accounts of this story, it reveals a bit more about the people that were there that were seeking him that day. Uh, Just a few verses later uh, in Matthew's account, we see that this was 5,000 men, not including women and children. So if you would do some uh, uh, guesstimating there about some women and children being present that weren't counted, you can very quickly come up to thousands upon thousands of people. And you might even think that it would be like the 22827, the Elkton zip code would be waiting, not just the town limits, but the Elkton zip code would be waiting there on the shore for Jesus to arrive. That's the magnitude of thousands of wandering and lost and disrupted souls seeking Jesus. Luke and Matthew both make specific note also that Jesus healed the sick. So they were coming with their knees. They were coming as they were seeking Jesus 
for healing. And it doesn't take much imagination to see that the disruption of this world, the disruption of the crowds is very similar to the disruption and the pain that we see people all around us in today. So a question begins to confront us, friends. If in those moments Jesus' response was compassion, what will our response be? What will our response be? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that your love is always in action. Lord, we, we see that in the cross, Lord. We, we know that. And Lord, today we want to hear and want to understand your invitation to us to put your love into action through us. And so, God, we, uh, we quiet our hearts, Lord. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, if we were going to unpack a little more context and try to get a little better run up at the story that we've read today, uh, a brief look back helps us to understand that there were many things going on in the life of Jesus and his disciples in that moment. Uh, you, you might even say that they were experiencing some disruption of their own in those moments. If you go back to the beginning of Mark 6, uh, Jesus has commissioned his followers. He's given them authority and power, and he's sent them out to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom and to preach repentance to the towns uh, and the people that he, they were sent to. And somewhere during this time frame, they get word that their friend and partner in ministry, John the Baptist, that he has been murdered ruthlessly by King Herod. And, and so that's the background. That's where they're coming from as they come around Jesus. And it, it tells us there that there were so many people pressing in in that moment when they returned to see Jesus that they couldn't even get a meal. They couldn't get enough space. They couldn't get enough alone time with Jesus to even eat. And Jesus picks up on that. He picks up on the needs of his disciples to just have a minute. To just have a minute. And he invites them to step away and to escape to a remote place. But you see, the crowd was on to him in that moment. You see, they, they run ahead. They're waiting on Jesus and the disciples to arrive uh, on the other side of the lake. And, and can you just imagine in that moment, maybe it was a foggy morning and they, they poke through the fog and there's this crowd. Like, can you imagine that feeling of angst and desperation that you're just seeking a minute, but yet there's the crowd. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I can like sense myself screaming, are you kidding me? I mean, right? If they didn't get the message, we got in the boat and we're trying to get away. That's the place. That's the story that we're finding ourselves in. And Jesus, when he steps onto that, rather than engaging in frustration, rather than an are you kidding me response, he greets them with compassion. From that raw, vulnerable Maybe even a burnout place. I know I would have been frustrated. <laughs> but Jesus steps forward in compassion. He steps forward in compassion. As we would try to understand Jesus' response in these moments, um, I know as I was studying this this week, it was really helpful for me to unpack some other terms because we can often use the term sympathy empathy and compassion rather interchangeably 
in our day-to-day language, but they are very distinct and different in their own right. Uh, I found an author and a founder of a nonprofit named Sarah Scherer, and I invite you to say that five times fast. Uh, but she is a founder and a director of a nonprofit that focuses on bringing daily compassionate actions and attitudes into people's life. I thought, perfect. That's what we're trying to do here. Uh, she gives us some clarity on these terms. Uh, sympathy, or, or to feel sympathy, uh, means that you are able to at least mentally understand what a person is feeling, what a person is going through. You can imagine in your own mind why it is difficult for them or why they may be having the response that they're having. You can sympathize with them. Empathy takes this another step further. Empathy is viscerally feeling what another person feels. You feel the pain of another person. You feel their grief, their angst, their discord. Whatever they're feeling, you feel that too. You've heard the saying, uh, put yourself in their shoes. That, that's an empathetic step. That's an empathetic action to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Now, now, compassion takes both of these ideas and takes them one step further. You, you see, to be compassionate, you feel the pain of another. You empathize with them. You can recognize and understand, so you sympathize. But then you take it a step further, and you actually step in to you do your best to alleviate the suffering of that individual. You see, it takes a compassion takes a step beyond simply caring, and it takes a step into action. That's what Jesus did when he met that crowd that day. Not only could he understand it, and not only did he feel it, he acted upon the crowd to relieve their suffering. And as you would unpack the Greek word there in the text for compassion, it has this idea of being moved to your bowels. Now, that's not a regular vocabulary word for us, right? So you get this idea that it was deep, it was a gut feeling that Jesus had for the people on the shore that day. And he moved with compassion. Verse 34 says when he landed, he, he saw the large crowd. Now, I mean, 10,000 people take a stadium to seat. So he sees a stadium-sized crowd, and he has compassion on it. From deep within, he takes a step to relieve their suffering because they were like sheep without a shepherd. His response in that moment went beyond simply caring. It went beyond simply feeling to meeting the needs to relieve the suffering of the people. And Jesus felt all of those things. But he took a step of action. And friends, today, I think that's his invitation for us. His followers individually, yes, and as the church together, he's inviting us to join him in a compassionate response to the lost sheep of our world, to take that step beyond caring. Caring is good. Caring is great. Empathizing is important. But I think the call in the way of Jesus as we see throughout the Gospels is to take a step to relieve the suffering of the lost sheep of the people all around us. Compassion, compassion, love and action may be what people around you every day need the most. Can they count on it from you? Can they count on it from you? Can they count on you to take a step beyond sympathy? Can they count on you in those moments, in those places, to step beyond empathy into compassionate response? Can they count on you? I want us to try to put eyes to this 
idea of compassion, what it means to have a response beyond feelings. And we're going to see that three young men had compassion. They took a step in the life of Miss Eleanor Baker. Let's watch this clip. We end with a sweet and tender southern barbecue experience. Steve Hartman serves it up on the road. For barbecue lovers, Brad's Barbecue in Oxford, Alabama is heaven on earth. But 80-year-old Eleanor Baker says her visit here earlier this month was especially divine. I think it was a God thing. I think God sent me there. You think we needed the example? Yes, that people care about other people and how important it is. <laughs> Eleanor is a widow. She lives with her dog, Rufus. And although she has a big family, they mostly live out of town. So Eleanor was alone the night she went to Brad's barbecue. Security footage shows her entering there in the purple. And at about that same time, these three young men arrived. They say they were just having a good old time. We was all just sitting there just talking. When Jamario Howard noticed Eleanor. An older woman sitting by herself. Jamario says he hates seeing people eat alone. And I seen that. When most of us see someone eating alone, we feel that way. But our sympathy never solves anything. And Jamario really wanted to fix this. So he got up from his table and sat at hers. He just came up and he said, I saw you sitting over here alone. And he said, do you mind having some company? And she said, go right ahead. And then I introduced myself and she introduced herself. And that's kind of how it all got started. They all ended up having dinner together. And it was just a really nice, pleasant evening. What those 20-somethings did that night speaks volumes about their character. <laughs> but they say it wasn't entirely altruistic. <laughs> they enjoyed her company as much as she enjoyed theirs. Because when we left there, that's all we talked about. When you make that kind of connection with somebody, it's hard to let it go. Like I already feel like we're her grandkids. <laughs> so you got room for these guys in your life? Of course. I'm so glad y'all could make it. They have all vowed to make room for one another. And certainly, if Eleanor's right, that God played any role in this, it may be to remind us of the joy that awaits just outside the bubbles we live in. I used to say when I was younger, and I still say today, like, I'm going to change the world somehow. And I don't know how, because I'm not rich, I'm not famous, and I'm not very smart either, so I can't be the president. But we can show the world that it's all right to be kind, and then before long, maybe the world will be a much better place. <laughs> Amen. Steve Hartman on the road in Oxford, Alabama. We can show the world. We can show the world. Let's continue in our teaching text today in verse 35 of Mark 6. It says, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already getting very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and, and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, but Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread to give them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Verse 39 says, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. 
Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. Can you just imagine being a disciple there when you heard Jesus' words, you feed them? I mean, like, we read past that pretty easily. But just put yourself there, like, you you pull in Jesus for a little huddle, and you're going, hey, you know, we got to do something here. And he says, you feed them. I mean, right? Like, that's crazy. What? What do you mean you feed them? I, I just think in that moment, I'd love to see the look on their face in that moment. But if I'm honest, like as your pastor, when I hear this call to live a compassionate response in our world, I can kind of understand a similar feeling that they had. Like, what? What? Like, look at all the people, the 22827 that we just talked about, like, and beyond. How are we going to reach the town and the community of Elkton? Like, Lord, just think about the people in the crowd and the zip code and beyond the the single-parent households and the grandparents raising grandkids and, Lord, the struggles with addiction that we see and and the relational brokenness and and the food and the shelter insecurity all within the circle of our little campus here. Like, I mean, we have our own struggles, right? Like, we're experiencing illness. We are experiencing grief, the weariness of life. We, We struggle with boundaries, We struggle with rest. We have our own disruptions too, Lord. Like, we don't even own our own building. (laughs) What do you mean feed them? What do you mean? And I think it's easy to imagine how the disciples felt, whether you're in the context of church or just in the context of your everyday life. Like, how are we to do this when he looks at us and says, you feed them? You feed them. We can even begin to feel stuck in that impossibility of that situation. But friends, in the midst of however we may feel into those real feelings, we can't escape this call. This call of Jesus to go beyond caring, to go beyond empathizing with people, to meeting the needs of the suffering. We cannot escape that call to be a compassionate presence in our world. So so what do we do? What do we do? How do we step beyond caring into compassion? In our story, the way Jesus did this, he just asked his disciples, he said, go and see what you have. Go see what you can muster up to feed these people. And when when they brought it back to him, Jesus received it. He received the five loaves and the two fish like a good lunch for two people, right? He receives what they brought. He received it. He blessed it. And he broke it and gave it to them to go minister to the people. And friends, that day, Jesus didn't tell them to go find food for 5,000 people. He says, no, go see what you have. And when they brought it back, that's when the multiplication happened. And friends, today, Jesus is not asking you and me for something we don't have. He's asking us if we will bring to him what we do have and allow him to receive it and allow uh, him to be a compassionate presence in our world through us. That we would bring to him our jobs, whether we're just getting into the workforce or we just retired, that we would bring whatever it is to him and say, Lord, use me for your compassionate response. 
hearts. Whether we're in school, on the football team, or in the choir, that we would just say, yes, Lord, here I am. Use me in your response to the world. Jesus is just asking us for what we have in surrender to him, his compassionate response to our world. I mean, it can be simple, right? Like the three boys in the clip, they just gave up their dinner table. And that was part of God's compassionate response. So I had to think about that. Like, can, can I give a few hours of a week to maybe help at Boys and Girls Club or, or at one of the food pantries or the clothing closet? Like something like that. Lord, can I give you that as a part of your compassionate response? Can, can, I, can I commit my tithes and my offerings? Can I commit to see my finances leveraged to be a part of his kingdom response? the lost sheep of the world can i donate jesus my work gloves to help somebody in their yard or move a couple of boxes around you see jesus is just asking us to bring what we have because the truth is every single one of us has something we can give something that we can surrender to the lord and give over to him and be a part of his response to the lost and broken world that we're living in the question is, is, will we do it? Will we do it? Will we just surrender to him? Maybe something we think is insignificant or doesn't amount to a whole lot. Will we just trust him? Will we just trust him? And surrender to whatever it is he's up to. Whoever it is in our circles that he wants to touch. And that may be big things. That may be big things like a cruise in like we just did yesterday. That may be what Jesus is calling, but it also may be sharing your dinner table. Will we do it? I've got one more clip that um, I just I want us to see compassion because it can be an abstract and airy idea, but it's within every one of our grasp to be a part of Jesus' compassionate response. Let's watch this clip. for it. Uh, it's never called the facility. Got some IV access going. Why don't we? Is the pain starting to subside? 
Bed management, Michelle speaking. Okay. What's the patient's name? McIntyre. All right, that's a compassionate bed. Let me see what I can do. You guys need help? Follow this hallway down there. Follow the sides to Robinsville. together Why don't we and, and we'll, we'll die together I just want to stay here Why don't we wait here now Compassion can, can we just say yes? Can we just say yes? No matter how insignificant your five loaves and two fish are, we, will you just say yes? Because the reality is they're not insignificant in Jesus' hands. We have the power to allow Jesus to we have the power of surrender, like we get to partner with him to reach the world. Will we do it? Will we do it? In the simple ways and in the big ways. Will we commit? We commit not to let our love grow cold. I, uh, I can't do this <laughs> to nobody's surprise. And you can't either. But it's Jesus. <laughs> you see, we got to start there. We must first be the recipients his compassionate love to save us to redeem us and restore us but as that life inside of us the life of Jesus grows and he's calling us deeper into more intimacy he's calling us to surrender to surrender our loaves and our fish to be a used a part of his kingdom the part of his story where we find the other lost sheep and surrender. Will we do it? Let's pray. Lord, um, thank you for love and action, Lord. 
that when, when we were lost sheep, Lord, when we were disrupted, when, when we were wandering aimlessly, uh, bored and following other interests, Lord, your love came after us. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, today we hear your call to step out, Lord, as your people to step out of caring. Caring is good. But Lord, to step beyond caring and just empathizing to responding to meet the needs of people. Lord, to relieve the suffering. God, that's, that's a call bigger than us. So Lord, we want to be faithful in bringing you what we have. Because you're the multiplier. So Lord, today we bring you what we have. Lord, uh, whether it's our jobs, our families, our work gloves, our dinner tables, uh, special talent, whatever it is, Lord, we bring it to you and just say, yes, Lord. Give us a heart. Not just a heart, but your heart, Lord. For our lost and disrupted world. And it's in your name we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.